Good morning. We'd like to welcome everyone to Nineveh today. We're so glad uh, that you're here and to be a part of the service and what God is going to do. We had a great uh, first service and a couple baptisms and I'm just really excited about that. I love to laugh. Uh, some of you that know me good, uh, if you get me going, I will just obnoxiously laugh, just a big belly laugh. And I think that in the world we live in right now, uh, it's a good thing and every once in a while we need to just laugh because uh, things are so heavy. Um, and one thing I like to do is I like to read, uh, because I've just been in a church and around churches for so long, I like to read church signs. Now, if I'm going to be judgmental, there's different kinds of church signs. There's maybe some churches that have a lot more resources and they got a big fancy one and it's got scrolling words and tells you all kinds of stuff. But I like like the old church signs where there's an old fellow that has to walk out there every week and pull back the glass and he, he sticks up the letters and every week he's got to, or every month he's got to come up with something clever to say. So I uh, looked up some, some church signs I thought we would start off with uh, this morning, kind of lighthearted. Some of these you'll get, some of them you won't. Tabernacle Baptist Church. Jesus said, I'll be back. Way before Arnold Schwarzenegger did. Those of you who know him, that's funny. The Presbyterian Church, Lord help us to be the people our dogs think we are. Some of you dog people out there. <clears throat> the Church Without Walls, the, the best vitamin for a believer is B1, ha ha ha. Honk if you love Jesus, text while driving if you want to meet him. There you go, that was, that was a pretty clever one. Next one. Kingsway Baptist Church, no toilet paper. Guess the roll was caught up yonder. <laughs> but up, pow. Baptist Church, what happens in Vegas is forgiven here. Can I get an amen? <laughs> All right, next one. Clay's Mill Road Baptist Church, whoever stole our AC units, keep, keep one. It is hot where you're going. <laughs> that guy was not happy about that. St. Nicholas. The sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and hear the choir sing. <laughs> they didn't think that one through very good. Our Savior's Church, you may party in hell, but you will be the barbecue. <clears throat> know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. <laughs> Just so you know, I don't preach every week, so that's not referring to me. Oak Grove. Walmart is not the only saving place. Church of Christ, tweet others the way you want to be tweeted. A little corny, but okay. He is divine, we are the branches. Must have ran out of space. Peace Lutheran Church, can we uninstall 2020 and install it again? This version has a virus, amen. Respect your parents. They pass school without Google. That is true. <laughs> That's a good one. Central Baptist Church, forgive your enemies. It messes with their heads. That it does. Last one I found. Addicted to the hokey pokey, so I turned myself around. <laughs> Most news nowadays is so depressing. 
And many times you wonder if it's even true. And most of the headlines are just completely overwhelming. Uh, before I get to some serious ones, I found one newspaper one that I just had to share because it was funny before we kind of turned more serious. China may be using sea to hide its submarines. Let me read that again. China may be using the sea to hide its submarines. Now that's some top secret stuff right there. But a couple weeks ago, or actually just probably a week ago, I was sitting in the living room of my house. We had ate supper. My parents were there. And I actually don't have like a satellite TV. We don't watch a lot of TV, but we have like antenna and all that. So I turned on the TV and I guess the local headline evening news has come on and they started going through the headlines. And here is what some of those were that night. Afghanistan's Christians are turning off phones and going into hiding. Haiti earthquake tensions rise in the struggle to get aid to victims. Death toll from Haiti's earthquake reaches 2,207. Now, I got to give a disclaimer. First service when I said this, um, Junior, which is my brother-in-law, he plays guitar. And I said, those of you who don't know him, he's married to my wife. Uh, he's married to my sister. <laughs> I had to clarify that. That's not in my notes. And I went just off the cuff and said, and everybody's, I was like, why is everybody laughing? But Junior that's married to my sister, um, his, his family, he's from Haiti. And so when, of course, when we first get this news, we're really hoping and concerned that they are okay. Next news. Many hospitals with no beds left are forced to send COVID patients to cities far away. Tropical storm, Henry makes landfall in the Northeast. Former Afghan president fled with only the clothes on his back, senior advisor says. And then you see pictures like this of people chasing after a plane because they're in fear of their life. And then you see pictures like this where they say that they held on as long as they can and they're actually falling from the sky because they're doing whatever they can to leave Afghanistan. Last week, we talked about this. Franklin Ground issues a call to prayer for Afghanistan. We need a miracle from the hand of God. And then this morning, I brought this up and threw this in last as I was driving in this morning. Hurricane Ida strengthens into a Category 4 storm as it nears the Gulf Coast landfall. And they made the ultimate sacrifice. Department of Defense identifies 13 U.S. service members killed in Afghanistan. And I could go on and on about the news, about the world we live in, about how everything feels like it's falling apart. And that night in the living room, I remember looking and, and saying, I feel so encouraged by watching that tonight. Such a joyous time that we live in. Such positive and encouraging news. You know, I read a news article that said more than 42% of people surveyed by the U.S. Census Bureau two years ago reported symptoms of anxiety and depression, and it was only 11% of people. This past year, 42%. And they say the biggest cause is fear and anxiety and depression. Of course it is. When you turn on the TV, when you look at your computer, when you look at your phone, at social media, 
and all you see is that, and it's negative and it's bad, and when you're fearful of losing your job, when you're fearful of losing your health, when there's war in the world everywhere and you hear of people dying, and hurricanes, and viruses, and more and more and more, when so many are afraid to even leave their house and God has created us for community. And in the midst of thinking of all this, our world is crumbling. And in that moment in my living room that night, and it would be the same for you today, I had to decide and make a choice. To let my life be ruled by fear, to become overwhelmed by the world I live in, to become overwhelmed by the news and the current events and just feel like everything is going crazy, to fret and to wring my hands, to stress, to go order a large pizza and eat it by myself. But thank goodness for the presence of God and His Spirit that lives in my heart. And in that moment, I knew I was preaching this week, and I'd had several things I was working on, but God gave me a scripture, and I knew that this is the direction I was supposed to go. John 16, 33. You can turn with me this morning. It'll be on the screen. He says this, I have told you these things, this is Jesus, so that in me you may have peace. Church, in this world, you will have trouble. He says this, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. And he spoke to me and Chad, he said, Chad, you have to take heart. In this world, you will have trouble. And because he has overcame, I can face anything that this world throws at me. It doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult, but I can face it. And don't miss what he says. He says, you will have trouble. Not maybe, not sometimes, but we will. Because this world is broken. This world is sinful. As he talked about last week and the week before, the wind blows to hell. We live in a broken world. And it's going to be like that until he makes everything new. Until he comes back one day. And the way things are going... If we're going to be honest and we believe the Word of God and what it says, he says that in the last days leading up to this, it's not going to get better. And he tells us, Jesus tells us not to be alarmed. But he says, all of this must happen. This morning, turn with me to Matthew 24, starting in verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? When's this world going to end? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things, church, they must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine 
an earthquake in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. And then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Does that sound familiar as we talk about Christians in Afghanistan? And you will be hated by all nations because of me. I read an article this past week. Um, there is an organization that was rescuing Christians this past week from um, Afghanistan, Glenbeck's kind of organization. I think they got like 7,000 Christians and ministers. But their issue was finding nations that would want to take the Christians for fear of retaliation. And he tells us that in these last days, they will hate you because of my name, because of who you follow. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. So many hate each other right now. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But church, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Does this, does this passage sound familiar? Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes. You will be handed over to be persecuted. You will be put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. Right now in the world we live, Christians fear for their lives as we sit here comfortable in church this morning. And many hate us and they will hate us in the future, not because of us, but because of who we follow, a man named Jesus. He says that wickedness will increase, check. The love of most will grow cold. So many have fallen away. So many have become cold and lukewarm in their faith. And he says, all of this is birth pains. They are growing in frequency and intensity, more regular. Even as we talk about, I mean, it just seems like it's like hurricane, sickness, everything that's happening right now in the world. So this, this scripture that God laid on my heart, um, take heart for I've overcome the world. The whole passage that leads up to that, Jesus is talking to his disciples He's getting ready to be crucified. He's getting ready to leave the world. He knows that they're going to face awful and terrible times. And he knows they don't really understand what's going to happen. They don't comprehend that he's going to die and he's going to be raised again. He's going to come back for a little while, then he's going to go back to heaven. And then they're going to be persecuted and they're going to be scattered and they're going to be put to death. And so he, he kind of gives them these words of some encouragement, some realistic things. He's just speaking truth into, into their life. These are words in red that Jesus spoke to them. And I want to read this chapter this morning. It's John 16, starting in verse 1, if you want to turn with me. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. And I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. 
But now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief. Because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. And unless I go, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. How true is that of the world we live in right now? About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. And don't miss this. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by this saying? In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after that, a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. And Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while, you will see me no more. And after a little while, you will see me. And he says this, very truly, I tell you. You will weep. You will mourn while the world rejoices. But church, don't miss this. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman gives birth to a child, has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And don't miss this line. In church, no one, no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Go down to verse 31, he says this, do you now believe Jesus replied? A time is coming and his fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone for my Father is with me. And this is the scripture that God spoke to me that night in my living room. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, church, you will have trouble. But take heart. 
because I have overcome the world. And Jesus knew that he would soon die. And that these men that had placed all of their hope in him, they had bet the farm on him. He was going to be gone. And he knew that they were going to doubt and they were going to have questions. And they were going to be overwhelmed because he's going to raise from the dead. But then guess what? He's going to leave again. And he's going to say, I'm not going to come back until I come back on a white horse. And they're going to be troubled and they're going to be filled with grief. And they're going to face persecution and hard times. And we know most of them will end up dying a martyr's death because of the life that they chose to follow Jesus. And that's why he told them. And he tells us today, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and you will mourn. And the world rejoices but your grief, church, will turn to joy. And no one can take that away. And one day, everything that we face in this world, everything that we face in this life will seem so small when we receive the joy of our salvation. And Jesus said, right now, we will have grief. We will face trouble. We will mourn. But a day will come when he will take all of that away. And as I was thinking of those words, Take heart. I couldn't help but think of the story of Jesus when he calms the storm. I'm just going to briefly hit on this. It's in Mark 4, starting in verse 35. It says this, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Then it says this, A furious squall came up, a storm. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And he said, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus, don't you care, they said? We're going to drown in this boat. Church, doesn't that sound like us. Jesus, don't you care that this world is a mess? Jesus, don't you care that there's sickness? That my family's having money issues? That I could lose my job? That maybe you and your wife are having issues or with your kids? You fill in the blank in your circumstances. And we say, God, don't you care about what's going on in my life? And he tells them in the boat that day, and he tells us this morning as well, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Church, why do we live our life in such fear? Why do we doubt? Do we really trust him? Like, really trust him? Do we really believe he is in control? Or if you're honest right now, are you trying to be in control of your life and your circumstances? I know for myself when I lose focus. When I start to look at the storm, 
when I start to see the news and only dwell on that, when, when I open up Facebook and there's a post and people are just losing their ever-loving minds over something that doesn't even matter, and I have to realize what the disciples had to realize that day on the water. The church, he is with me. And what they had to realize is that he was in their boat. And he is in my heart. We just read that he has sent the advocate. He said, it is good that I leave because unless I leave, the Holy Spirit can't come and be in your heart. The advocate can't come and dwell. Now we have his spirit in our heart. And the one who the wind and the waves obeys is with me. And he is for me and he is not against me. In John, in 1 John 4, 4, he says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you, church, the one who lives inside of us is greater than the one who is in this world. Church, he is greater, he is bigger than the storms around us, than the storms that you are facing right now. And right now, personally in your life, you might feel like you're about to drown. But re be reminded that this morning he is with you, he is in your boat. He is not going to leave you. His Holy Spirit is inside of you, and this morning we take heart. Because we believe his words when he says that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Luke 12, 6, he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. Church, you are worth more than many sparrows. And this morning, if his eye is on the sparrow, how much more are his eyes upon you and your life and your circumstances and your struggles and whatever you are dealing with? Take heart. But in the midst of all of your circumstances and whatever we deal with, we have to keep our eyes on him. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of whatever you are facing, whatever you are dealing with right now, we have to keep our eyes on him. And us, many of us, me included, are a lot like Peter. I think of the story of Peter when he's out going to meet Jesus on the water. You know the story where he starts to sink when he takes his eyes off of Jesus. I want to hit on this a little bit. Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. It's titled, Jesus Walks on the Water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. 
Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? Over and over, Jesus says this. Why do you doubt, you of little faith? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And it's so easy for us this morning to sit in here and say, if Peter would have just kept his eyes on Jesus, he wouldn't have had any issues. If Peter could have just, just stayed focused, come on, Peter, just for a few minutes, you could have just walked on the water, and it would have been great. But church, the truth of the matter is, if we are honest, most of us are just like Peter. And we will be distracted and overwhelmed just like him before this day is over. How easy is it for us to take our eyes off of Jesus? As soon as we leave here and we hop in the car and the world is there waiting for you and all of its problems and struggles and issues. You know, we come here on Sunday and we worship and we lift our praises to our King and we soak in the Word of God and we're challenged and we're encouraged. But more, Monday morning shows up and things are awful at work. You get in a fight with your spouse, you're having trouble with your kids, someone you know is sick, someone dies, money's tight this month, whatever it might be, and before you know it, you're not even looking at the same direction of Jesus. And like Peter, we start to sink. We take our eyes off of what really matters, we take our focus off of what really matters, and we look at the wind and the waves and the circumstances and the news and the news and the bad news, and we sink. And we focus on the storm. But church, this morning, he is there for us just like Peter. When we cry out, when we've taken our eyes off of him, it says this, immediately Jesus reaches out his hand and caught him. And he says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Church, this morning, he is here to pick you up if you have took your eyes off of him. But he also asked you a question. Why do you doubt him? You of little faith, why are you right now living your life in fear, in worry, anxiety? Because church, the one who is in control of the storm is him. The one who parts the water lives inside of us. The one who created the heavens and the earth is with us and is for us. And church, this morning, he knows you. He really knows you. He knows your circumstances. He knows what keeps you up at night. He knows what's on your heart, what your struggle is right now. The psalmist writes in 139, I love Psalms 139, he writes this, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. He says, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, he says, you know me completely, O Lord. He says, you hem me in behind and before you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. 
The psalmist writes, if I go up to the mountains, you're there. If I go to the valleys, you're there. He says, no matter where I go, you're there. He says, surely darkness is not dark to you. He says, I created you in your inmost being. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he, he wraps up and he says, search my heart, know my way, see if there's any anxious, see if there's any way in me that's not of you and lead me in the way everlasting. See, David understood that God knows us. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows your issues better than you know your issues. And he knows what you're facing, and he knows what you're going through, and he knows your secrets. He knows the sins that no one else knows about. He knows the fears that you don't want to talk about. He knows it all. And yet, church, this morning, he still loves you. He still pursues you. He still wants to have a relationship with you. While we were still caught up in our sin, he sent his son to die for you. And in Hebrews 13, 5, he says, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. But church, we have to keep our eyes on him. Especially in days like this when the world is falling apart. Don't wring your hands in worry. God is not surprised by the nightly news. God is not surprised by what's happening in Afghanistan. God is not surprised by the earthquake in Haiti. God is not surprised by the hurricane that's supposed to make landfall at one o'clock today in Louisiana. God is not surprised about the virus that we're dealing with. And so, because he is not surprised, that is the one today I want to put my trust in. That is the one today that I want to put my hope in. And if he says, take heart, then I take heart. Because the prince of this world in John 10, 10 says that he comes to steal and kill and destroy. He is a thief. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He has come to give us life. He's come to save us and deliver us. And yes, we are in the midst of birth pains. We are in the midst of things just getting closer and closer and the world spiraling out of control. In Luke 21, he even writes, verse, in starting in verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish. That sounds pretty true. In perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea, people will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. How true is that? For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, church, they have begun. Church, when these things begin to take place, it says, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And church, our redemption is drawing near. And this world is filled with terror and fear, but we have hope that he is coming. And we look to the sky, not to the earth and everything that's going on. We put our hope not in this world. Our hope is in the name above every name. Our hope this morning is in the name of Jesus, not this government, not the United States of America. You know, I watched some of the Olympics 
this every night when I was kind of wrapping up the day, I'd sit down and I might turn on the TV. And a few weeks ago, and I'd watch the Olympics. And I watched swimming a few nights. I watched some of the running. And when those, when those guys would run, man, it was, it was pretty impressive. And, um, and when they run that, pra- that race, their eyes are on that prize. They want to win that goal. They want to stand on that podium. They want to hear their national anthem sung. They want to represent their country well and be proud. But I noticed something that I guess I hadn't paid attention to in the past. I noticed that the runners, they did something as they crossed the finish line. I got a picture. This is just from a few weeks ago in the, Olymp- in the Olympics. They kind of do this lunge, lean, and they stick that head out. I would demonstrate it up here today, but it could get pretty ugly. <laughs> but they lunge with all that they have. In several races, it made all the difference in somebody winning because it's just, it seems by centimeters that they win. And as I, I watch those races, I realize that, you know what, church, that needs to be us. With all that we have, our goal is to cross the finish line. With every ounce of energy, not a line on a track, not to win the gold, but to make sure that one day we walk on the streets of gold. And to finish and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share in the master's happiness. To one day, with all that we have, make sure that we cross that finish line and we hear the words from our creator and our maker and our sustainer, well done, good and faithful servant. The writer of Hebrews puts it so beautifully. He says this in Hebrews 12, starting with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Church, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In church this morning, I do not want us to grow weary and lose heart. But this morning, I I challenge us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Today, we set our eyes upon him and we take heart. Because he has told us that in this world, we will have trouble. But church, this world is not our home. And my goal is to cross that finish line and to take my wife and my kids and as many other people as possible. And when this world is falling apart, and I hear stories of Christians in Afghanistan who is willing to lose everything, willing to obey God rather than man. Church, may we this morning have that kind of faith. The kind of faith that is undivided, 
the kind of faith that is surrendered, the kind of faith that gives God a blank check and says, whatever you want with my life, may your will be done in and through me. Your will be done and not mine. I'm tired of trying to do things my way. It doesn't work. It's like pushing a rope. And this morning we take heart because church, he has you where you are for a reason. And just like Esther was in scripture, he had placed her to rescue and deliver the Jews. In the story of Esther, in Esther 4.14, it says this, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. In church, God, I believe that God has placed you in this world for such a time as this. He has placed the church in this dark world for such a time as this. He has placed you at your job for such a time as this. He has placed you in your circle of influence for such a time as this. He has placed you in this church for a reason. In church, when when it's the darkest, when the world's the darkest and we think there is no hope, the light of Christ shines the brightest. Church, when it seems like there's no hope and it's all gone and it's dark and we think that everybody is just sinful and lost, the the light of Jesus Christ, the hope that he has, shines the brightest. And the church has always grown the most under persecution. And for such a time as this, he has called us to be the church of Jesus Christ in these last days. The band's going to come out. In Matthew 5, 14, he says this, the church, you are the light of the world. He says that we are a town, a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. So take heart, church, shine in the darkness. He is in us and he is greater. And when you are filled with anxiety and fear and worry and doubt, we take heart because he is for you. And church, we are so close to the finish line. Stay the course, stand firm. Choose faith over fear. To walk by faith and not by sight. To trust him with everything in every area and every aspect of your life. Maybe this past year and a half, maybe just this past week, your life has been ruled by fear. Maybe your life has been ruled by anxiety, and worry, and you're, you're one of those numbers and those st- statistics. And you can't sleep at night, and you ponder about everything, and you worry, and you dread, and you wring your hands. Today, cast all your cares on Him. His yoke is easy, and His burden is light. I love the words of the old hymn. It says this, because He lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear church is gone because I know that he holds my future life is worth the living just because a man named Jesus lives and he lives in me and so today we take heart and because he overcame we can overcome whatever we face So the one that is in you is greater than anything you will face this week, next week, a month from now. 
And when you are in the midst of a storm and the waves are around you and you think that you are going to sink, I challenge you to fix your eyes upon Jesus. And he is greater than anything you will face. Today, maybe you just need to come down and you need to give him your fear and your worry and your anxiety and everything that you're dealing with and you just need to give him control because it's just ruining you of your joy. Today, we put our trust in him. It says some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but today we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And our fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in his love. We stand on the rock and we take heart. Let's all stand as we worship today together and we have this time of invitation.